Hi everyone, it's Laura and Kendall, and you're listening to Torqued, our podcast all about electric vehicles. Thanks. All right, lover boy. So I think what we're going to tackle in this episode is going to be when do this question about when do electric vehicles make sense for individuals on kind of a larger scale. Um, so right now we have a certain amount of electric cars and kind of the, the electric fleet, if you will, in air quotes, we're going to see more hit the market. Um, but what are, what are some of your thoughts on, on for, for individuals who might not want to go into electrics? What, what are, are those individuals? What do they look like? I think that people think that electric vehicles won't work for them because of either some type of lifestyle choice, so the commuting distance that they need to make, or they have some type of hobby that they like to pursue that may make it difficult for them to utilize an electric vehicle, or that's how they perceive it at this point. Or they have a job where they need a certain type of vehicle. Yeah, Mm -hmm. right. So at this point, there aren't trucks on the market. And if you really need to do something with a truck as part of your job, you don't really have choices in the electric car market yet, although they're coming. Um, But I, you know, living in Austin, Texas, that's actually pretty rare as well. Sure. Um, It seems to me that a lot of city boys drive around in their trucks with dreams that one day they might mulch their yard or something. But a lot of those same people seem to hire folks anyways to do that. So I don't completely follow that with a lot of folks, but I do realize there's a whole segment that actually works with their trucks. I think what we see in the city more often are hobbyists. So people who might have a boat or um, an RV or something that they want to take with them, you know, or a trailer, you know, horse trailer, that kind of thing. And I would say then there are some limitations if, um, if you need to do those things, I think then the opportunity becomes looking at possibly an electric car as a second vehicle versus, you know, having a truck or a larger sport utility vehicle that can do some towing. You might have that for your hobbies, but it can still make sense potentially to have a daily driver. Um, as an electric vehicle. Sure. So let's talk a little bit about energy density because I think that's been a bit of the holdup as to why we haven't seen a lot of larger electric vehicles that have that capacity. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the challenges with battery technology is the difference in energy density from gasoline to batteries. And you'll see actually the oil industry through lobbyists and special interest groups kind of promoting that point that, well, gasoline is so much more energy dense that it doesn't make sense to drive electric. Um, and there, there may be situations where that starts to play out, such as really large vehicles and semi trucks at this point. But I think what's missed in that argument is that number one, batteries are getting more energy dense as we go. And we're actually seeing a lot of improvements there. The The other thing that's missed is that electric engines are much more efficient than internal combustion engines. So while on an energy factor scale, you can make that argument, when you start to look at how inefficient internal combustion engines are, there's something like 30-ish percent efficient versus electric 
motors, which are like 90% efficient, suddenly that starts to scale back and that difference mm -hmm. is not so great. So, so you're just, you're capturing more of that electric yeah, and that momentum. Yeah. From the, the reaction. You get to use the energy yeah. that's stored with you in an electric vehicle versus if, if you've ever opened up a car, felt a car hood on an internal combustion engine, you'll notice it's hot. It's hot. Yeah. That's some of the energy that's being lost in right. that in that engine. Yeah. And so the the ratio is still not there. It's not like one for one is in terms of weight, but I think it does make sense for applications in um, normal passenger vehicles, mm -hmm. small sport utility vehicles, those types of things. When you start to get up to the semi-truck range, the amount of batteries you need at this point in mm -hmm. order to travel the distance, 500 or so miles that you need, that's where it starts to maybe not make as much sense. So, so the weight of the battery. Right, the weight of the, the battery of versus the weight of the gasoline. So, um, there's a really good YouTuber um, who goes under the header of Engineering Explained, and he actually talks about this energy density problem with a gallon of water versus cans of LaCroix, battery, uh, LaCroix water to represent a battery. And you can visually see the difference between batteries and gasoline. But he also looks at it from different perspectives, like depending on what car you're driving. So if you're comparing what gasoline can achieve in a hybrid car, mm -hmm. that ratio looks more distance, be, distant between gas and electric versus, as he points out, looking at the energy density and the energy usage of something like a Bugatti, which is really inefficient, mm -hmm. versus like a Tesla Model S performance, mm -hmm. right? So he, he kind of walks you through that path and it depends on what you're driving how big of a difference that is so if you're already in a hybrid you're doing pretty well with an electric you can get higher but i think the question becomes how much marginally higher for you to make the switch mm -hmm. right um i think we're at the point where it starts to make sense um and i think that's what folks have to understand is that the technology has moved to a point where we're at that threshold. But I think that raises the question of, well, if I have a car already, does it make sense for me to swap out to an electric vehicle? Right. So we're going to tackle that next. All right. So when does it make sense for somebody just to, to make the switch to electric? Yes. They've been on an ICE car. So I think if you have a relatively efficient internal combustion engine car, you know, you may not want to rush out and just buy an electric car to replace that existing vehicle. That may not make sense. But if you're at the point where you're going to get rid of an internal combustion engine car, I think that's where the market's at a point now where it's really worth taking a close look at electric vehicles in terms of efficiency. Now, you can argue how quickly you'll make up the cost, but I think as we've seen, and we've talked about in previous episodes, the maintenance cost on electric cars is so minimal, and the cost to operate, um, you know, the EPA has this, this standard called uh, miles per gallon equivalent that really isn't, it's a focus on energy density 
but you know very often in our Chevrolet Volt which is not one of the most energy efficient um, electric plug-in hybrid uh, vehicles we're, we're looking at miles per gallon equivalent of around 120 miles per gallon equivalent now even if that calculation is up for debate and it is um, that is such an efficient standard versus some of the best hybrids that I can get on the market right now that looking between the two I I, I believe folks who are in that market for an efficient gasoline car there's a natural trajectory that electric cars start to make sense mm. now there are some lifestyle situations sure. that I think folks have to think about and that's when it gets into you know what hobbies folks have and things like that so at this particular moment right now at the beginning of 2020 mm -hmm. there are limited options in the electrical vehicle market if you need to tow a vehicle a small recreational vehicle or a boat you can do that with a Model X but even on long trips that gets a little bit challenging because you decrease the efficiency just like you do in a gasoline car i think sometimes sure. you know folks like to point these things out well you're going to lose range in an electric car well guess what you lose range in a gasoline car yes. too which is why a lot of vehicles with towing packages you know there there are also opportunities for um larger gas tanks and things like that because they, those cars have that challenge too but um, we are going to see some new entrants to the market. Ford's going to be coming out with an electric pickup truck. Uh, the Rivian is coming mm -hmm. out, which Ford has invested heavily in that company. Cybertruck. The Cybertruck from Tesla, right? So, Fisker right. truck coming out. We're starting to see a lot that are lined up, and I expect all of the traditional manufacturers will begin to offer yes. those. And I think. If you're someone that maybe lives in a city or a small town who uses a pickup truck, um, not necessarily for work, but perhaps for um, kind of the image, the comfort that you like with a truck and maybe the occasional towing, I think these are going to be great solutions yes. for those folks. Um, depending on what you do day to day for work, it may start to make sense as well. So. You know, electric vehicles are so inexpensive to maintain. We've talked on a previous episode about a, a gentleman who, who spoke about a Chevrolet Bolt that he had for three years and um, went over 100,000 miles and spent $75 in maintenance. And Laura, mm -hmm. you actually dug back in our records okay. to see what had happened on Because I am a meticulous records keeper, people, okay? Well, and actually, someone had <laughs> challenged us on this point. And so Laura went back and looked across our Chevy. Well, because it sounded believable to us. That number sounded very believable based on our experience with our Bolt, which is a hybrid. And so when, it, yeah, when I went back and pulled our paperwork for all of our maintenance. Yeah, it the, turns out over the last three years, the only uh, mechanical engine maintenance that we've mm -hmm. done has been to the internal combustion engine that's on the Volt because the Volt's a hybrid, unlike the Bolt, which is all electric. Yeah. And so um, when we realized that essentially our maintenance costs on the electric components of the Volt had been absolutely zero. And we had also not gone to Chevrolet to do any warranty work on the electrical components. Um, we did have a minor issue with some of the interior trim that they took mm -hmm. care of at the Chevrolet dealership. 
Um, I took a chunk out of our tire on a curb. No, that was that was me. That was me. Oh my god, y'all! Mark your calendars. This never happens between the two of us. Okay. Yeah. It was so. Fault. Yeah, I took that chunk out of a tire, but again, that would have happened on any vehicle. Sure. So, nothing, yeah. um, you know, apples to apples, the internal combustion engine to the electric vehicle engine. On on the other hand, like the internal combustion engine had several oil changes, which I think retail at around seventy to seventy five dollars from Chevrolet. To do like two of those. No, I've done three. No, yeah. Okay. I've done three. Yeah. And a couple of those were covered by Chevrolet oh, under the right. warranty, so Got we it. didn't absorb a cost. But um, if you're actually paying for those things, that that would have been maintenance work to the internal combustion engine. But an electric, those fall away. Right, right. And we've talked before about the way that electric vehicles don't use brake pads in the same way that mm -hmm. internal combustion engines because you're getting regeneration through yeah, an electric brushless motor so you know all those things really make a difference and so actually if you're somebody that back to this pickup truck point that we were yeah. making if you're somebody that works regularly with your truck and you can work with 300 miles of range which to be clear like that's a pretty good range you know for electric definitely but even with a gas engine like you're in play there now if you can work with that then suddenly an electric vehicle might start to make sense because now you're going to have actually a very energy efficient vehicle versus a pickup truck that might be getting, if you're lucky, 20 miles to the gallon, you can be looking at something in um, a much higher range. So again, I, I don't yeah. like the, that EPA equivalent, but it's sort of used in this way sometimes. Um, but we're seeing some of these larger vehicles like the Audi e-tron. Um, and I expect these trucks are going to come in a similar range of around 70 uh, miles per gallon equivalent mm -hmm. um, for, for energy usage using that EPA standard. Yeah, I mean, us living in Texas, like I can see for a lot of people that own ranches, especially in the area surrounding Austin and the hill country, like those are going to make sense because those aren't like these huge expansive ranches like, you know the Wyo ranch or something like that. Right, right. And so especially, you know, if you could install a charger, throw up some solar panels, like suddenly your cost goes way, way down. <laughs> right, right. So yeah, yeah, and the other the other convenience factor, so my folks live out in the Hill Country and your folks do too. You know, depending on where you are in the Hill Country of Texas, it can actually be hard to get to a gas station. Yeah. So another convenience factor that I don't think you know folks in those types of situations necessarily have seen right off because these initial electric vehicles did have such low range but the reality is if you're sitting at your ranch you can be pulling out of your ranch with a full tank of electric um, which unless you've installed a gasoline pump on your ranch which some folks do um, then you can be you know pulling out with with a full tank yeah. which is is kind of nice yeah versus for a lot of people you're having to drive your gas truck to the nearest gas station, which can still be several miles down the road. Yeah. You know, to, to gas up your truck. Yeah, so, so then I think when it comes back to towing, um, you know, if you have a hobby that requires towing, mm -hmm. um, we'll see what everybody's final specs are um, on electric, but I think the Tesla Model X, um, I'm gonna look up the capacity of um, its towing. So it can tow almost stuff. 5,000 pounds mm -hmm. um, if it has a tow package on it, which, you know, that's really pretty good when you compare that to a lot of um, smaller sport utility vehicles, 
um, that's that's really in range of what you'd expect with a, a gasoline vehicle like that. Um, so I'm expecting some of these pickup trucks to actually yeah, do pretty well. Yeah, so Tesla's saying the Cybertruck might be able to tow up to 14,000 pounds. Um, I mean, that's from Tesla. And again, I think we're going to see more, you know, as, as these actually start to come to market in terms of the real world towing capacity. Um, the Rivian is promising 11,000 pounds. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, these will start to fill that gap if somebody wants to drive electric. And um, I, I think another thing that we'll find with that is towing on many of these smaller vehicles in particular, it is hard on these vehicles. I remember sure. my father actually had um, uh, some secondary cooling components put in on one of his uh one of his vehicles that he could tow with. And it was because a mechanic, you know, pointed out to him that, yeah, General Motors says you can tow with that, but here's some things we should really do to make sure that your engine doesn't overheat. It's stressful. It's stressful. Yeah. And I think we're gonna find that with electric vehicles, um, they're actually going to do better um, over the long run mechanically because they're just simpler mechanically. You don't have um, as many components to go out and um, even the if you have liquid cooling on the batteries with most of these vehicles, um, probably all of those those types of vehicles will have some form of that. Um, that that system is designed for that, and it's not really going to um, have to push it much further. Now, I'm sure somebody's going to get upset with me about that and say, "Well, if your father's vehicle was really meant to tow, then that would have been a non-issue." But um, let's be real; like a lot of folks tow with. Uh, smaller sport utility vehicles and things like that. And it is really stressful on, on those vehicles. If you have something um, like a diesel engine mm -hmm. um, that's really designed to tow and support towing uh, from the start, it may do better over time or be on par with, um, uh, you know, reliably. But uh, anyways. Yeah, that's right. I think, but the, yeah, I think what you say is, is true. I mean, I can't, count the number of times that people in, in my family or whatever will they'll tow something because technically their vehicle can tow it but it's not necessarily a diesel truck that's designed to tow like a horse trailer right they're just trying to like get a couple canoes or whatever down to the lake so um yeah i think that we, we are seeing now we're, we're coming into an era where these vehicles are hitting the market or will be hitting the market soon and are going to start to make sense for a lot more people and not just as electrics being a daily commuter only. All right, so the other two things that I hear frequently that I think these things are also changing is the cost of batteries and then also the environmental impact of going out and buying an electric vehicle when your ice car is still, you know, perfectly fine. So when we bought our Volt, <laughs> I was at work and I don't really, like I said, like I don't really talk about cars, but somehow it came up in conversation with a nurse that I worked with at the time and he said well i hope you enjoy it when you uh, have to go replace the battery insinuating that you know electric batteries are just so expensive you know that they were going to be cost prohibitive and suddenly this isn't going to be such a fun thing anymore and the fact that i didn't have to go to the gas station like was sort of a moot point now this guy like you know 
he would like do ride in on his Harley and was kind of, you know, a D-bag. But, Kendall, mm -hmm. the cost of batteries has come down pretty dramatically. So, right now, an electric vehicle battery is about what to replace? Well, it depends on the size, but right. we, we have to talk about it in terms of kilowatt hours. Mm -hmm. So, um, just to put this in perspective, how much it's dropped, um, Green Car Reports has um, an article on this they published in December. So, in 2010, mm -hmm. an electric car battery was $1,100 per kilowatt hour. So, like, yeah. something like our Volt. Mm -hmm. which has a relatively low electric range that has, I want to say like an 18.5 kilowatt uh, battery. So we're at that time sure. going back to 2010, that was like a $20,000 battery right. pack almost. Um, yeah. I mean, I remember but, that seemed to be kind of yeah. the insinuation at the time in 20, like 2007 was like, Oh, it's going to be like a $10,000 prospect to replace your battery. Wait, in what year? You when we bought the Volt, that was 2017. 2017, I mean, sorry. Okay. The the insinuation. So even even numbers. by then, right? So so this is a problem with yeah. numbers like that. So that was a number from 2010. Right. So one thousand one hundred dollars per kilowatt hour. Do you want to guess what it was down to by 2019? I know the answer. Okay. So it's like 156. It's, it's about 100, 150. Yeah. Yeah. So just between 2018 and 2019 there was um, a 13% cut in the cost, right? In 2019 to 2020, I don't have those stats in front of me. But the point being, like that is a precipitous drop, 13%, right? right? So assuming we will see those same types of cuts, um, which I think is a safe assumption as uh, the, the battery technology kind of continues to improve. Right. There's some McKinsey studies and some pr pr predictions of when we'll see that happen, um, when, when they'll get even, even lower to the point that it just washes out the difference between like an electric and um, you know, an internal combustion engine. Already we start to see some, some parity because there is a simplicity in the parts needed to put together an electric car. Like the battery is really the complicated piece. So whereas in the internal combustion engine, the engine itself is the complicated piece. Yes. And the gas tank's simple. In electric car, it's kind of the reverse. The battery is sort of the complex part. The electric motors are actually <laughs> relatively simple. Um, and so, we're, we're, we're already seeing, I mean, right now, part of it is like those tax credits and things like that, that we've talked about before that are available on many electric cars really do bring it down to the point where it's almost on par. And depending on how much you drive, you may actually make up the cost of, of moving to electric, electric, but to your point mm -hmm. about what this guy said in 2017, right? He was already wrong. Consumer reports yeah. was just talking about this recently and the longevity of electric car batteries is actually starting to prove out because we've, mm -hmm. we've had them out there now for around a decade and we're not seeing we, we see some degradation mm -hmm. um but it's minimal and it depends on how the how batteries they, are cooled and and how they work so and right and all those kinds of habits. right so if you're 
driving something like a Nissan Leaf that, as we've talked about before, only has an air-cooled system and you're doing that in an extremely hot or an extremely cold environment, you're going to see significant degradation, particularly on those early model um, Nissan Leafs that came out mm -hmm. versus if you look at most of the other car manufacturers, frankly, use some type of active thermal heating and cooling system. And so we're not seeing significant degradation in those batteries. In fact, um, they don't have to replace, be replaced all that often. Um, yeah, that's interesting because I was reflecting on that you, as we were kind of preparing for this. You actually don't hear about a lot of people replacing their batteries that often. Yeah, and I think one area where you see that play out is the warranties on these batteries. Yes. So most of the manufacturers, sort of the minimum that I've seen, the minimum standard I've seen on car battery warranties is eight years, 100,000 miles. Yeah. Now, now, um, there are very few manufacturers that would be willing to warranty the entire internal combustion engine, which is the complicated part of a gasoline car, for that type of period, right? But the electric car batteries, they you, you can only do that if you have the data mm -hmm. behind that, right? Sure, they're not going to so yeah. yeah they're not going to take a bath on these batteries and i think they've seen that so um definitely as they've gotten some things figured out you know there there were some issues i think nissan um, those very early 2011 and 2012 leafs um, we saw a lot of turtling particularly in cars coming out of places like arizona um we saw a lot of turtling and nissan replaced those batteries um, when you say turtling, what does that mean? Turtling is, is degradation in the battery. So the battery on those early leafs, I think, had a range of like 84 miles, and progressively that would decrease um, with usage. On Teslas, we see very limited degradation. Um, and in fact, you can go quite far. And so there's an interesting story kind of making the rounds right now about a Tesla Model X going 400,000 miles mm -hmm. and all of the maintenance that was needed on that vehicle during that time. And eventually they did replace the battery pack on that Tesla, but it was up in the 300,000 mile range yeah, that they actually replaced the battery on it. So, um, you know, we're not seeing that these batteries need to be swapped out all the time. Plus, I mean, listen to those numbers on battery prices, right? So yeah, it's an expensive part, but um, you know, my buddy's uh, F-150's transmission, it's like an eight or 10 speed, it's one of these crazy new transmissions. Um, it's, it's only a few years old, it had to be taken out of the vehicle and rebuilt. That was kind of an expensive build too. That's what I was, I was gonna say, you know, when we're looking at even really reliable cars, you know, when you're getting to 100, 150,000 miles, they're needing some pretty big components replaced, you know, timing belts if they still have them, um, parts of the transmission, right? That's like pretty part and parcel for owning a car mm -hmm. at that age. Yeah. Anything you wanted to say on that more before we talk about the environmental impact of the batteries versus cars? Um, no, I think I'm good. Okay, so then we'll just touch on this last little piece, which is one of the things that I still hear and that we're kind of seeing, you know, more data come in about this topic is, is it better to hold on to your ICE vehicle 
and kind of run it into the ground or buying an electric and when when do you start to see the the cost and benefit of those things wash out and it's like three years right yeah that's right so initially there is a higher environmental impact by building an electric car vehicle and that is again going back to those batteries um, but what's interesting about the batteries is that the car manufacturers have been working really hard to both improve the battery technology but also improve the materials that go into it so initially and and sometimes again from the oil industry you'll hear um, and be careful you may not know it's from the oil industry but a lot of times they're behind these types of myths that get perpetuated on electric cars that Cobalt is, is this really terrible material used within electric car vehicle batteries. Well, I think they've got cobalt down to something like 5% of the batteries and all of the vehicle manufacturers are working hard on their supply chain to ensure that those are from um, less, less problematic environmental sources, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I think they're continuing to refine that technology, but again, a car's lifespan is going to be, you know, anymore. We're easily looking at 20 years on a vehicle plus. And when you think about the fact that within the first three years, it's canceled out all those benefits against mm -hmm. a similar gasoline engine. Right. Because of everything else that it does not do to the environment. Yeah. Okay, Kendall, is there anything else that you wanted to add this episode? No. <laughs> I think that we have kind of tinkered around with this question that we're asking ourselves a lot, which is especially with our Honda Civic, which it's a 2012, it's still got a lot of life left in that car, but do we get rid of that car and get a used EV that could be a little daily commuter, getting you to, you know, to and from the office, you know, get me and the kid to the library and the grocery store, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, and when or what are we looking for in terms of the reality of how often we need a longer range versus kind of our daily needs? And this question is going to look different for, you know, all kinds of different people, different interests, different families, you know, and where they're headed in their daily commute, hobbies, that sort of thing. Yeah. So there are definitely long range electric vehicles that I think take care of 100% of our needs now. Yes. But does it make sense to spend that kind of money on a new car, which I still think after the taxes and rebates, the tax rebates and, and credits available in our state would bring the cost down to any comparably equipped vehicle? Um, or do we, you know, basically figure out a combination that works with one of these used vehicles and that would still basically get us to driving on electric almost 100% of the time. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's a, it's a very real question for us. And I think we're going to start seeing a lot more American drivers, families, et cetera, kind of asking themselves similar questions of, of buying used, buying new, when to upgrade, all those sorts of things. Yeah. And I hope that's where folks also kind of recognize the option that's out there for them. These lower range 
vehicles in particular are surprisingly inexpensive. You know, in the used car market here in Texas, there are lots of Fiat 500Es um, that, you know, yes, they only have 84 miles of range, but that takes care of most people's commutes to and from. And those Fiat 500Es, really low mileage examples, we're talking less than 20,000 miles, they're available for less than ten thousand dollars. There's lots of examples of those, um, and I think there are also some slightly higher range vehicles starting to creep into that same market space. Mm -hmm. So Nissan Leafs, that um, you know, 2016 or after, there were some that went above a hundred miles of range. Mm -hmm. Um, as well as things like the, the Golf E, we haven't talked much about that, but mm -hmm. um, some of the newer Golf E's go around 125 miles. And those types of options do become serious, um, serious opportunities mm -hmm. for buyers because they have taken pretty massive depreciation hits, especially as these really high range vehicles hit the market. Yeah. And so if you basically need a commuter car and you have a car that can kind of go longer distances for you, if, you, if you're one of those people that has that need and doesn't want to go rent a car or something like that for you know that once a year trip, then you can get one of those and it can mm -hmm. solve your problem. Yeah, yeah. I think it's an important point because if you are an average American consumer, because only like 2% of car sales in America are electrics, right? So most Americans are still buying gas cars. But if you are dipping your toes into electric car waters, it's a really exciting time. And so all the news seems to be about like these new models, these new things that are coming out. And the price tags can be pretty high on some of these, you know? And I think that can kind of turn people off and turn people away. Yeah, I think that's right. But I think that if folks consider the fact that they have multiple vehicles and look at the combination of vehicles mm -hmm. that they need, I think we're at a point where as a second vehicle, almost everyone has a good case for their second car being an electric vehicle, yeah. if not both of their cars becoming electric mm -hmm. vehicles in the near future. Yeah, yeah, I think we are really hitting that point. So it's exciting times and uh, we'll keep being excited. We'll keep being electrified. <laughs> I can't believe I said that. All right. <laughs> well, that is it for us this week. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back next week uh, and yeah. Stay tuned. Bye. Bye.